Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. Hey folks, this is Randy Wilburn here from I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm coming to you with a bit of an update for this particular episode that you're listening to, this episode 65 of the podcast. I, a couple of months ago, I had a chance to sit down with Nick Robbins, who is the executive director of Returning Home NWA, which focuses on those that are incarcerated here in Arkansas, period, but also but primarily in Northwest Arkansas. The goal of uh, returning home NWA is repairing lives and restoring families. Uh, and what they try to do is try to make the transition from incarceration back into the general population as seamless as possible. And so Nick was kind enough to have us at his location up in Springdale a couple of months ago to talk about everything that returning home was doing. And I just wanted to follow up with him to check in to see how this COVID-19 situation was affecting them. And in actuality, they are doing better than ever. They've gotten more funding. Their biggest challenge right now is are, are certain resources that those individuals that are coming out of prison need to transition to normal life, uh, everyday living outside in, in our population here in Northwest Arkansas and beyond. And so I really want to encourage you, if you can, there are two things that returning home NWA needs. And those two items are clothing. So they'll take clothing donations, which can be dropped off at their location up in Springdale or 
You can also um, drop off toiletries. Any type of toiletries or clothing, they will take in a heartbeat. And so I really want to encourage you, if you can help these guys out after you've listened to this podcast, please feel free to do so. Their address is 703 North Thompson Street in Springdale. That's uh, It's just right down from the AQ Chicken. Can't miss it, but um, certainly Nick would appreciate anything that you could donate to those guys right now, but um, they are actually doing better than advertised given everything that's happening with COVID-19. But listen to this story, listen to Nick's story specifically, and uh, let us know what you think. We appreciate you listening to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Check us out at IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll talk with you soon. Cue the music. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I am sitting down today with Nick Robbins. Nick is the executive director of Returning Home Center here in Springdale. And, um, you know, it's just, it's interesting. Again, people come to me from all walks of life. People come to me from contacts that I know. And a good friend of mine connected me with Nick a couple of weeks back. And, and Nick was interested in coming on the podcast to share a little bit about returning home. And so, Without further ado, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to kind of share our passion uh, with the community. Absolutely, absolutely. So first, tell me about you. You, I, we'd like to. We always get into people's superhero origin story. Everybody <laughs> has one, and you shared just a little bit about your background, and 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 your background is one of the reasons why you're actually here, absolutely. running this program, returning home. And so I think it's in, incumbent upon people in Northwest Arkansas to know all the different options that are out there available to them, mm-hmm. all the, the facilities, all the programs. I'm Every time I, I get out there and meet somebody new, I'm amazed that, wow, that this, this exists and that exists. And so just learning about returning home in the few minutes that we spent some time together, I, I think you know the, this, uh, this audience needs to learn a little bit more about that. But before we jump into that, I would love for you just to kind of share your quick, your origin story real quick. Absolutely. To me, Oftentimes I, I, I have people come up and go, Hey, why do you work with men and women coming from prison and jail? Right. And to me, I just laugh because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. But until they know, you know, that background, they, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, I grew up in Iowa between Iowa and Illinois, bounced around a lot, but I uh, was a very rebellious kid and did a lot of things I shouldn't be doing. And uh, my best idea got me incarcerated for uh, two armed robberies. Wow. So I was 17 years old at the time. And uh, so kind of got thrust into the, the criminal justice system and not really knowing how to navigate it and not being extremely mature at the time. I really just increased my uh, lifestyle that I, that I was living prior to uh, being incarcerated and found out that's kind of what everybody does uh, in that setting. And so, you know, through some bumps in the road of still trying to live that life where I was the Lord of my life and uh, <laughs> just ramming my head into the wall. It, it felt like for many years, 
I kind of at one point uh, while I was in prison, I had already got kicked out of one prison and, and then the next prison had to be under investigation and I had got myself uh, some new charges for the crimes I committed while I was in. And so it was for the, for the first time in my life, it was very clear that it wasn't the coach's fault. It wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't the community's fault. It, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. I was the only one making decisions. I was the only one responsible for my life. And, and so I needed to change for the outcome to change. And so started work, working on myself and uh, ended up seven and a half years later, uh, got out of prison. And I knew the impact of the community coming in and just kind of pouring into me. I went through a faith-based program and accepted Christ and, and you know, changed my why of right. everything that I do. And, and through that investment from the community, it gave me the hope that I never had in my life, that I could be successful, that I could, that I could, in, in it, to understand what I believe successful is, to be a positive part of people's lives. Right. That is success. And so when I kind of understood because of what somebody did for me, I go, I think I can do that for other people. I think I can come alongside somebody. And at returning home, all we know is the worst thing somebody's ever done. And I sit in front of the class and the first group that comes in every Tuesday, I say, I know the worst thing you've ever done. And I love you. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're here. And you mean so much to us. And we're going to invest in you while you're here. And we hope you're going to do the same. Yeah. So give, give them an opportunity and know that it's coming from a place that I understood what it looked like when somebody gave me that same opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that. I know that um, Brian Stevenson from the Equal the Justice and, and Peace Initiative talks. One of, that's one of the things that he says is that, you know, you are, are, are better than the worst thing that you've ever done. Yeah. And sometimes that's a hard statement for people to, to grasp and to embrace because, you know, we want to be able to label things and mm-hmm. say, no, that's just a bad person. Right. And I think that's, that's one of the challenges that, that a lot of people face upon reentry coming out of prison and, and things of that nature. But you, you saw an opportunity. Yeah. And you said, you know what? I want to be able to help somebody. And so you've kind of made that your life's mission, yeah. really. And that's yep. really what, what returning home is all about. How did you how did you make that jump? Okay, you're out of jail, you mm-hmm. you know, you're getting your life together, you recognize the, the your wrongs and you're correcting those things, but at what point did you shift or pivot and say, you know what? I'm going to start a program for some other people so mm-hmm. that they have something to look forward to when they do get out of jail. Yeah. It was interesting. So I, I got an out-of-state parole to Branson, Missouri, which is a really weird place to parole to And if you've never been. But there was, in Branson, the joke is you're either in a show or <laughs> or you're in ministry. And since I, I lack any talent and abilities, I went into ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I got a phone call. It was about a week out. So I had filled out all these applications. I had done all this online stuff, which is the first time I'd ever been online. And so like, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm learning how to use a flip phone. And so I'm like trying to, you know, basically get back into this community and no one's responding to me and I get pretty discouraged. And then I get a phone call and they said, Hey, from a mutual friend, we heard you just came to our community and we run a facility for troubled teens. And so we're interested to find out if you'd want to work here. So I was like, well, yeah, let, let's definitely talk about it. Come to find out it's a half a mile from my house. Right. So I walk over there one day and I tell them, I was like, so, so what would it look like? What would be my job? And they said, well, you're going to be five feet restricted to these kids. So they have to be within five feet of you. Mm-hmm. You're going to sleep on a bunk with them. You're going to eat in the chow hall with them. And every time they do something wrong, you're going to tell them to stop it. I was like, so it's like prison. 
I can do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I am made for this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that was, that was my first job and I did that for nine months. And so it gave me the opportunity to kind of understand day to day, like what it looks like to come alongside somebody kind of that didn't so much want to make change. Right. Right. <laughs> and then prison fellowship was the, ran the program that I went through when I was in prison mm-hmm. and they reached out to me and just said, Hey, would you be willing to um, speak for us at an event? So they had, they had some donors. And so they flew me out to Naples, Florida. the first time I oh, saw wow. the ocean and, yeah. and I'm in this huge Naples room. Naples is a beautiful area. Yeah, yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah. And Franklin Graham was there and Chuck Colson was there. Sure. And then there was me speaking. I was like, well, that's ridiculous. Um, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say. Yeah, yeah. And so I ended up just sharing with them, sharing my passion, sharing what I wanted to do. And uh, I got off stage and they told me like, hey, we got an internship for you. And so I immediately started working for them, did that for 90 days, and then they hired me full time. And so kind of been in this field of reentry for 12 years now. Got some schooling out of uh, Wheaton College. Um, they have the Chuck Colson Scholarship that I, sure. I received. So it took some some classes to kind of educate me on it because I had the experience, but I needed the the education on the, the case management side and, and then running a nonprofit. And then finally, it was probably about it was 2014 when I felt called to start my own organization. But if you're if you're somebody that committed to armed robberies, <laughs> finances is, is a terrifying thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm like, How, I've got to go raise my own support. And, 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 you know, as a nonprofit, we just raise the support from individuals and, and churches and, and different uh, businesses. And so it, it was pretty terrifying. And so I started the 501c3 in 2014. And then I drugged my feet for two years before I actually came on as a, a full-time staff. So we were just kind of trying to do it as a volunteer on my off time. And then uh, clearly, you know, they say that the reason we make change in our life is when the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of the change. And it became clear that the things were getting painful in the, the calling and the passion that I had wasn't going to be fulfilled in my current employer. And so I just took the leap of faith and I, <laughs> I sat down, I told my wife, I go, this is what I feel the Lord's called me to do. We're going to work for free for a month yeah. and we're going to give our tithe for six months in advance so that anybody I walk up to, I can say, if I ask you for your time, talents, and resources, understand that I've done the same. Yeah. So I, I can never ask for something I'm unwilling to do myself. Right. And that not only goes to your supporters, but also your clients. So any of these men and women that I'm working with, I can't tell them, hey, you shouldn't do this or, hey, you should budget like this or you should, you know act this certain way. And if I'm on my free time doing all those same things, so I've got to practice what I preach. And so we did that in 2016 and wasn't long, but in March 2017 that we opened up the Returning Home Center. And here at the center, we're, if anybody knows, we're at 703 North Thompson and that's directly across from Neil's Cafe. So if you know where, if you know where the pink cafe is, you know where we're at. So we house four different organizations under the same roof that all serve our clients. If it's through jobs, through residential housing, if it is mental health services, we have probation and parole officer here, but then we also have a total of 15 organizations that come to our location weekly and provide classes and different services. So so basically we just see ourselves as a hub for people reentering our community. Yeah. So and I guess we didn't really talk talk about that, but how did you end up in Northwest Arkansas? Right. So Branson is, that's part of the Ozarks, but yeah. we're on the other side of the Ozarks. Yeah. So how did you end up here in Springdale, in yeah. this area? Yeah. So um, when I was working with Prison Fellowship, 
I was on parole myself. Right. So I couldn't go far. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> So I had to live where I was at. And then I have um, two stepsons and their dad um, is actually a police officer in Branson. So they live with me, but they're able to visit him. So that's why we stayed in Branson for, and I still live there for the last 11 years I've been commuting. Wow. And uh, so that's a real commitment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of uh, uh, audiobooks. It's my time of feeding and one thing is interesting. We, we just purchased a house in Huntsville. My my youngest son is graduating. So in May, we're going to move down here. And somebody asked me like, how are you going to learn? Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, so over three hours a day, you're driving and you're consuming. And I'm listening to, you know, leadership podcasts, to entrepreneurial co- podcasts, to like, you know, any book somebody says, hey, you really need to read this. If it's on audio, I will. Absolutely. If it's, if it's on a piece of paper, I'm not reading it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so um, that'll be an interesting transition, but it'll be exciting because it'll free me up 12 hours a week to uh, to come up with something else to do. Yeah. So that'll be encouraging. Well, yeah, you'll, you'll certainly find something to do with that time because, you know, time expands based on, you know, where we are and what we're doing. So I'm sure you'll find another way to utilize that 12 hours wisely. And I think, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, a lot of people don't realize they can make their car their university. Mm. And um, you can, you know, that's something that I do. I listen to a lot of books, audio books, Audible, and then I certainly listen to my fair share of podcasts. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I listen to my own because I have to edit them and go through <laughs> them. But I also listen to a lot of others. And there's just so much edifying information and podcasting that can, and podcast in general that can really help you out. So I am always encouraging people to find a couple of really good podcasts, um, including this one, of course. Yes. And, and, for all you listeners out there, you want to you want to download and listen to I Am Northwest Arkansas on a regular basis. But even outside of that, just go around and start you know picking podcasts randomly and just checking them out. You'd be surprised mm-hmm. how much really great information is out there. And there's just a lot of a ton of people like myself and others that really just have a story to share and want to and also want to have other people share their stories, just like we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important. Well, and I and what I've found in my life is that too often we're surrounded by like-minded people. And so we all, we only learn so much. We only experience so much because mm-hmm. most of the people that are around me are very similar to me. Yeah. So how am I going to learn about the majority of the world if I don't branch out? And so actually when I'm looking at podcasts, I find ones going, I don't know a lot about that. Let me Google it and see what's the bed po- best podcast about that topic right? so that I can learn about it because I may not even agree with what they're saying, but I want to know what they're saying. And what I found is every time you sit down with somebody, no matter if you're politics align or your faith aligns or your sports team align, mm-hmm. there's going to be a common denominator. And the more you list him, the more you go, I know why the way you believe. Like, I understand that. So I have people that, that tell me, why didn't your guys just stop doing drugs? Oh, so they just need to stop. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and then I'll ask them, what were you doing when you were 12 years old? And they're like, well, you know, I was living in this community and I was going to school and we were running around playing with sticks and rocks outside and it was a lot of fun. Well, my guy, had, his dad was shooting up with heroin at 12. So because of his circumstances, <laughs> he, is, he struggles in areas that you don't struggle in because he's, he's grew up in an environment that you don't even understand right. and that I don't understand. Yeah. And, and so to, to be able to help people, we have to understand them. So we, and to understand people, we have to be willing to invest our time, which is the most valuable thing because we can't get it back. Right. But it's absolutely worth it because then you can go, oh, I know exactly why you, what you do. And, and now it makes more sense of how I can help. Yeah. No, I mean you, man. You you are certainly preaching to the choir, and that that is, um, I mean, perspective is something. 
Mm-hmm. And when people don't have it, it, it's really sometimes hard for people to connect with in other individuals. And I think it's 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 one of the reasons why we're having some challenges it, challenges in this country right now, and that why so many of us fall so nice and neatly into different camps, if you yeah. will. And and while I don't really get into political talk on this podcast, it still is pervasive enough that you know you're just aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you just understand that. So, but yeah, that's 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 neither here nor there. Why, why don't you kind of give our audience just kind of a glimpse into what it's like? For someone coming out of jail and coming into this into this center, and and what can they expect, and 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 what can they go through? Because people, mm-hmm. somebody listening to this may have somebody that's coming out soon. Yeah, they just absolutely. don't know what to do with them, or yeah. or what options are available to them. Yeah. How do we, you know, help people, uh, you know, so that that you know we don't want recidivism to be as high as it is. Mm-hmm. We don't want people returning back for because they just weren't given an opportunity to get themselves straight or they mm-hmm. weren't able to find a job or a place to live because maybe their their family doesn't want them living with them. Yeah. And so they have to recognize that there are options out there. So I would love it for you just to give our listeners just a quick glimpse into what it's like. I'm coming out of jail. I come to this returning home program. What can you do for me? Yeah. So um, the first thing to understand is that while you're incarcerated, you basically become the person people will think you're going to be. Like wherever they set the standard, you're going to meet that standard. Right. So if I place you behind multiple layers of razor wire and behind multiple locked doors and I've got security staff and I got cameras and we're on high alert because you're a bad person is getting ready to hurt somebody. Well, I'm going to meet your expectation mm-hmm. and I'm going to probably try to exceed your expectation because that's the type of person I am. <laughs> but what's different is, so we only work with the highest risk individuals. So they, they come from prison. They don't have identification. Most likely, they won't even have the medication they should have. Right. They don't have community connections because the only people that are reaching out to them at this time are the ones that they do not need to be around. And so just a lot of negative influences. And so when they come here, we don't have razor wire. We don't have security staff. We don't even have permission to touch them. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, we say, here is the expectation. So what we've decided is culture that we set will dictate your behavior. We do not set our culture based on your behavior. Right. And so we've said, this is what the culture is here. This is the expectation we have of you. And what's been interesting, the last two years, everybody just assumes that that's the rules and they follow them. Right. Just naturally. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm supposed to be in at nine o'clock. All right, guess what? I'm going to be in at nine o'clock. There didn't have to be a fence around here to keep me in at <laughs> right, nine o'clock. Right, right. It's just you laid down expectations and I, and I follow them. Now, they may struggle here and there, but for the most part, they're going to follow them. And so when they're going to come in, the first thing they do is we give them a hygiene kit because they don't have any, they don't even have a bar of soap on them. Right. They don't have their own clothes. Most of them, when they get out, there's just this clothes room that they can just try to grab stuff that fits them and just walk out with the one set of clothes they hadn't been wearing the entire time because they're wearing like these jumpsuit things during their incarceration. So they're going to show up and they don't have shoes and they probably got some sandals. Mm-hmm. So we get them the hygiene we get them the socks and underwear and we get them to our clothing closet. So people, people donate all these things. So they're donating brand new packages of socks and brand new uh, boxer, boxers and, and donating used clothes so they can go in and get what they need. And then we're going to give them the bedding. We're going to assign them to a bed and we're just going to say, hey, for seven days, you can't leave. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this so that you have the opportunity to accomplish as much as you can in seven days because day eight, we're going to need you to get to work. Right. And so they'll be able to go to some classes, but they'll sit down with the case manager and we'll find out 
What type of fines and fees do they owe? What counties do they owe them? Are there any court dates they need to show up to? We'll make all those phone calls and set up all those appointments. Find out what type of mental health do you need to be on? Are you a veteran? Do we need to connect with the VA? Then they'll have three mental health uh, counseling sessions. Mm -hmm. So they'll kind of do an evaluation and we'll get them set up and then they'll start going to class. And so they're going to have class two and a half hours a day. And those classes are, you know, focused on keeping them sober, helping them manage money because they're going to have a job really quick. We, we connect them with employers. We have employers that come into our building and just say, whoever wants to come to work, let's do this thing. We've been really blessed with, and it all, and it all comes from, not that I'm great at a, doing a sales pitch, it's our guys do great. Mm-hmm. And so our residential men do so well that a company goes, I hired that guy. I didn't even know where he was or there was a program, but he told me about his program like, do you have more guys I can hire? And, exactly. and so n- now they're doing like with this one company, they'll bring in their yard equipment and they'll go and like mow my lawn and ha- watch the guys mow, watch the guys weedy and then hire the ones that did a good job to run, you know, their, their yard crew. And so right. it's just interesting to see the community embrace us in that way. <clears throat> and so they've got three hot meals a day. Um, they got a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. We connect them with the jobs and the mental health services. And then we slowly kind of, bridge out and go, okay, so what are your, your relationships like? I mean, who do you need to reconnect with? What's the most healthy way to do that? And sometimes it's, hey, after talking about your family, I don't think it'd be healthy for you to connect. And yeah. sometimes it's, hey, you need that to connect. That must be a hard conversation. It really is. And what you try to do is try to say, and, and we're like we'll write it on the board. We go, what are the characteristics you need to have to be successful? And, and, and I know you don't have them today or you wouldn't be here. Right. So if you were the person I want you to be, you wouldn't be here in the first place. So you're the person you are, and then I need to show you the path of how do you get to the person you want to be. Right. And so we just say, does does those relationships, do their characteristics and their actions resemble your past or the future you desire? Yeah. And so with everything, just go, hey, you're talking about working this job, but you already have a job, so you're going to quit that job and hope that uh, that next one's better and you actually get the hours you think. Does this look like decisions you made in the past mm-hmm. or does it look like decisions you need to make to get you where you need to go? in your future. And so a lot of that is them having to come to the understanding of, I can't do it the way I used to do it. My life can't look that way anymore. And what I always tell them is there's going to be some point in your life that you're going to have new friends and you're just going to be talking to them. And some conversation is going to come up and you're going to mention that you had been incarcerated and they're going to be like, no way. (laughs) I don't believe that. Right. Like there's no way you ever did anything illegal. Like that makes no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, my wife tells me that all the time. She's a former military police officer. So fear is how she keeps me in line. Uh, But we joke about it all the time. She's like, I'm glad I didn't know that guy, but I can't even imagine that that was you. Yeah. And we all have that opportunity to completely start fresh. Yeah. And Northwest Arkansas is such an amazing place. It resembles that, you know, I could have started this anywhere I wanted because I was starting my own organization. Mm -hmm. And I knew the stakeholders were present here. Okay. I knew the employers were present. I knew the community supports there. I knew the churches are there. I know volunteers that are available. So I know Northwest Arkansas is special because I worked in Fort Smith. I worked in Harrison. I worked in multiple towns in Missouri. Like I've done this in lots of places. I've done this nationally. Mm-hmm. And so I know what it takes to be successful. And all the components are here and what a lot of people don't understand is there's a huge need. We have a lot of people on average, 200 to 250 people every single month are coming back to this community from incarceration. That is a huge number. And right now we don't like, we don't do a lot of advertisement for our clients. Our clients come through word of mouth 
the grapevine in prison and jail is is powerful. Right. You just got to whisper something and then everybody's going to know the next day. So we average 50 new clients a month. Just walk in the door and go, I heard about you. I need some help. Yeah. Just the new clients, <clears throat> not counting the ones that are keep coming back for services, the hundreds of them. And so what we know obviously works because people keep coming back. We just did statistics on our, our guys, their jobs. So and I'm not sure if I should, I should say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. So all the facilities that are like ours, yep. they pulled the stats on employment rates. 47% of the people that are in these type of facilities have employment. Sure. And then we pulled our numbers and our numbers are 97% are employed. 97? 97 is different than 47. It's, it's a little different. It, yeah, yeah. It's just a little <laughs> bit. So, wow. So, yeah. I mean, when you got those statistics, I, I mean, outside of you kind of puffing out your chest a little right. bit and being excited about that, what, what did that mean to you? It's one of those kind of like a, a sigh of relief because there's so yeah. many different things we we have been grinding since day one. When we open this place, there's very few services. Yeah. And, and just we just keep, what we do is we try to identify, and a lot of it comes from our clients. We do, I love data. We make them do surveys all the time. Yeah. And we've been blessed with a lot of interns from the University of Arkansas. So the social work department, criminal justice department. So we've got them coming and, and they're always looking for some tasks. And I'm always like, pull data for us because we get so... Basically, anybody that walks through the building, we know they're drowning. Yeah. So I'm so focused on keeping these people alive, literally. Yeah. Like I've been doing this work for a long time, and somebody that I talked to one day within a week has been dead multiple times, time and time again. Like this is life or death stuff. And so I'm so focused on just keeping people literally alive. Yeah. Sometimes I'm not able to evaluate what we're doing or find out where the gap is. Like, man, we're not doing this at well at all. And so one of the things that we do is every Thursday we sit down, we have a staffing. And so present in that staffing is the um, housing director. So Phoenix Recovery oversees our housing side. Sure. And so Phoenix Recovery's um, house manager, their house director is there, their parole officers in that room, their mental health therapist is in that room, their jobs coordinators in that room, their caseworkers in that room. And then myself that's over programming is in that room. So every aspect of their life is sitting in that room going, and going over each person's name going, what do they need? Yeah. Oh, this person's struggling on this. This person's daughter just passed away. Okay, what's that look like on the mental health side? Well, we were just seeing them once a week. We'll go ahead and start scheduling it every other day to just make sure we're touching base with them, making sure everything's okay. All right, what's that look like on work? I'll actually let their employer know so their supervisor's aware. If there's anything weird, just to let us know so that we can intervene because there will be struggle. It will manifests itself somewhere in their life. And we just want everyone to be aware so that we could react in a healthy way of, of supporting them and coming alongside them. And then sometimes it's, we find out from the, the mental health therapist, so-and-so decided not to take their medication anymore. Hmm. Okay. So, so support staff needs to know that, right? Because if this person's getting aggressive, like we need to know that's where it's stemming from. And that helps us with the discussion of going, man, you know, this isn't you, you know, you're struggling right now because you're not on your medication. Why don't we get back on it? Because the only other option from here, if you don't complete the 90 days, you're going to jail. Right. That's part of the contract. When right. they sign it, they say, I'm coming here to do 90 days. And if it does not work out, I'm going to jail. And then the parole board is going to decide what happens to me. They may let them out and they find another address or they may go back to prison for 90 days. So our there's a couple of goals. One is to intervene in somebody's life before they commit a crime. So the people that we're sending back that go to prison, it's not because they're committing crimes. It's because they're violating their parole, which is rule-based. 
So you fail the drug test or you stop showing up to class or you quit your job and you're refusing to pay rent. Like, so we want to intervene before the community is impacted in, in a negative way. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, just listening to all this and there's so many moving parts, how, yeah. <laughs> how can people help you guys out? Where, yeah. where I mean, just whether I'm an individual mm-hmm. that's just hearing this and, and really moved and I, I want to help out. I mean, I want to give in some way, you know, I, as you gave you were so kind enough to give me a, a great tour and I got to see everything here. I mean, you have a goodwill location where there's clothing for individuals mm-hmm. that don't maybe don't have anything yeah. and they can pick a couple of items. You have a food pantry. You mentioned the hygiene earlier, which is really important. How can people that are listening to this, if they want to be involved, how can they get involved? Yeah. yeah the best way is to go to our website. It's returninghomenwa.com. Okay. And on the site, it kind of shows different ways to connect. We are, uh, Returning Home is a nonprofit. We are funded by uh, donations. So donations is always huge. There's always uh, volunteer opportunities if somebody's interested in facilitating classes. Uh, We have also other people interested in going, hey, I'd love to come speak at just one class. Yeah. Um, So we love bringing in specialists. So you may not even think, you know, what you're bringing to the table is important. We had somebody, we had a, a real estate agent come in and we had a banker come in and we had, we said people all different fields. We had a police, a uh, former um, police chief at Fayetteville came in. And so it's just, I want them to hear people's stories. Yeah, I want them to know we all care about them. We, I, I want, if, if we have a specialist in somebody that does that really well, I want them to kind of share what that looks like, why it's important. We have insurance people that come in, just kind of talk about the value of having insurance. Right, right. We've had healthcare clinics come in, talk about it's cheaper to take care of yourself and on a regular basis, do appointments and get dental done and eye stuff done. And then wait till everything falls apart mm-hmm. and then run to the emergency room and be in debt for many years. So that's always important. Then um, if it's business or a church wanting to just kind of connect, um, definitely reach out. Uh, there, there's lots of different opportunities. We actually do um, a sale from vendors, donate overstock items to mm-hmm. us. And we do a warehouse sale in November of each oh, nice. year. Okay. And the last year we did it, we actually raised ten thousand dollars wow. uh, from selling stuff that vendors were, were looking to uh, to move out so they can get more room for their new stock we have uh, one of the vendors lets us utilize their warehouse so throughout the year we can just store stuff until the sale, sale actually comes mm-hmm. and so that's a great opportunity and then anybody the 15 organizations that come in we say it's not about institutionalized success. It's not about making them successful while they're here. It's about making them successful in the community. Mm -hmm. So what's it look like to bridge the gap to the community? So if there is people that are, you know, in a church or in a support group or doing something outside of this building, you're going, I just want them to be aware that this is out there and that we welcome them in. You don't know how exciting that is for them. They're going, wait a second. So you know the worst thing about me. You showed up and you just invited me to your group. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that, that gives them hope. Every time somebody comes and says, you're of a value and I want you to come alongside me, be a part of what my life, that just gives them the hope because what we've done, it's too bad. But as a society, when, when you throw somebody in prison, you're telling them we're not comfortable with you being in our community and being in society. And, and their actions led to that. Totally understandable. And we don't justify <clears throat> any of that. Sure. But at some point, then you have to welcome them back in because they're yeah. coming back in. But yeah. if you don't welcome them, that actually causes a lot of issues. And so mentally they're thinking, you know, no one even wants me here. Everybody's against me. I couldn't go ask for help because right. they'll just turn me away. And I was working with one guy in Fayetteville and it was many years ago. We walked into the Social Security office and 
they actually had his birth location down wrong. Okay. They said he was born in Tennessee, and he's like, Nick, I've never let Fayetteville in my life unless I was in prison. Right. And, and so, and I was like, so we really need to get a social security card, and I don't care what you got on your screen. And they just said no. And it was our third no for the day. He walks out to the car, and he goes, Nick, if I hear another no, I'm going back to the lifestyle. They, they'll tell me yes every time. Right. And I was like, well, let's go out to eat. That waiter will tell you yes, whatever you want, man. Right. Let's go get you something, you know. But anybody's going to get to that point. If you just keep getting pushed away going, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, you get discouraged. If When you walk into the DMV and you say, hey, I got to get a, a non-driver's license photo ID, they're going to say, do you have a birth certificate and social security card? You say, no, to get my birth certificate, I actually need a photo ID. But to get a photo ID, I need my birth certificate. And then you're just going to spin around in a circle for days right, right. because no one's going to sit down and say, here's some alternatives. Let's see if we can get this printed out. Let's call their supervisor if if we need to, <laughs> because we do that. Yeah. And so we actually have staff every single week uh, take our clients to the DMV and just say, no, this is what we're going to get. And yep, we do it every week. So it is okay. And, and probably once a month, we'll get a few guys, they'll turn away, even though they did the exact same way. We do it every single time. Right. And then next week we just bring them and they'll get it the next time. But if it's somebody that doesn't have that assistance, they're going to turn away. And so you may be that person that's saying, I want to help. I want to yeah. be a part of that assistance not sure what way and, and connect with us and, and we could definitely find something and, and love to give you a tour just to kind of know what's what's going on in your community. Oh man, I love that. I love that. You've really given our listening audience kind of a picture of what returning home is all about. And I certainly want to commend you for figuring out a way to give back even out, you know, outside of your circumstances and mm-hmm. say, you know, I want to, I want to make other people go through something different than maybe what I went through. And I mean, it's just a, it's a great story all, all around. And I'm, I'm glad that um, we were able to connect and that you were able to share. There's just so many things that you guys are doing. And we'll put all this in the show notes so people know how to get contacted, connected with you, how to reach the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they want to donate, uh, we'll make sure that we put all that information on the show notes so that they can learn more about all the great things that Nick Robbins is doing here at uh, Returning Home Center. And, and again, they're right across from Neil's here in in Springdale on Thompson Street and so you know it's it's a great organization and I would encourage you guys the every week I'm blown away and not even just every day I'm blown away by all the great things that are happening here in Northwest Arkansas and this is just one example of that so Nick thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing is any final thoughts that you want to to leave with our audience before we close out well definitely thank you for what you're doing you know giving the opportunity to enlighten uh, our community on all the great things that are being done. And and you you will be inspiring people's passion because somebody is listening to this right now going, I've been wanting to do that for years. <laughs> let me let me, let me me jump on it and try to figure that out. Absolutely. And so, so you could be starting the next returning home organization just by being willing to share and, and kind of cast that vision. And all I'd say is if there is something in your heart that's saying that, hey, this is the population that I want to serve, or I know somebody that needs these services reach out because yeah. I never get tired about talking about what I'm passionate about, what I've been created to do. So we just love to hear from you. I can see that. Well, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. Well, folks, there you have it. Nick Robbins, uh, executive director of returning home here at 703 North Thompson street in Springdale. It's right across from Neil's restaurant. They're, they're close to a little bit of everything over in this area, not far off of Emma, not terribly far from the Jones center. Fairly easy to get to, but uh, I certainly would encourage you to reach out to Nick. And like I said, I'll put all of his contact information on the show notes. And 
That way you guys can check it out for yourselves and see what all the good news is all about. So that's all we have for today. We really appreciate you guys listening to I Am Northwest Arkansas on a regular basis. And, you know, we're going to continue to bring you this type of content and we really uh, would appreciate your support. As I I always do, I'd like to ask you to do three things for me. One, I'd certainly encourage you to visit our website, IamNorthwestArkansas.com. Check it out. I'd love for you to join our email list and get on our uh, get our weekly newsletter, learning all the great things that are learning about all the great things that are happening here in Northwest Arkansas. And then just um, if you could just share with a friend that, hey, I've listened to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. And if you want to know anything about Northwest Arkansas, you need to listen to that podcast. I'm sure that Nick's going to listen to it on a regular basis on his drive back and forth to Huntsville. No pressure, Nick, but you know. <laughs> But the bottom line is, seriously, I, I really want uh, you to share this uh, with other people. If you really like the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast and it means something for you, we would really appreciate it more than anything else, you just sharing. And as always, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, we'd love a, re- a rating and a, re- and a five-star review. And uh, just let us know what we're doing right. Maybe let us know what you'd like to hear more of and uh, just reach out. And as always, you can reach me, Randy, the host at randy at iamnorthwestarkansas.com. And I'll be, I'll get right back to you right away. Matter of fact, I think you'll be surprised at how quickly I will respond to you. So that's all I have for today. Again, we appreciate you so much, all of our listening audience there in I Am Northwest Arkansas Nation. And uh, we will see you next week. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.